0: Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source of news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and today I'm bringing you the latest instalment of our executive interview series. Our guest today is Gaia Ghiladi, co-founder and chief creative of sustainable footwear brand Hilos. Hylos has come to market with a series of footwear products manufactured for an on-demand, circular process, that limits inventory and waste. Enabling this more sustainable manufacture of footwear is 3D printing technology, with solutions from HP and BASF being gleaned on. Throughout our conversation, Dara explains how Hylos came to be, what the combination of 3D printing and computational design allows her team to achieve, and assesses the materials available for 3D printing today. She also provides insights on the company's supply chain and how Hylo's products can be recycled after use. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more Additive Insight, head on over to tc where you can subscribe to the print edition of tc-magazine and our weekly Additive Insight newsletter for free. Hi Guy. welcome to the Additive Insight Podcast. How is uh, how's your 2023 going so far?
1: Hey Samuel, thanks for having me. Uh 2023 has been off to a wild start. Um, just a lot, a lot of projects going on over here, but it's been really, really good. How about yours?
0: Yeah, yeah, likewise. I'm very busy, um, but it's it's going well. So um I was wondering whether we could start today um by just telling us about the kind of birth of, of Hilos um, and your background, and I guess how your background kind of feeds into the, the startup of the, of the company.
1: Definitely. So I'm, first of all, I'm the co-founder and chief creative of Hilos, and we are an on-demand and circular manufacturing platform for footwear that uses 3D printing and computational design to reduce waste and localize manufacturing. And so for me um kind of where where I sit within the mix um I'm the fashion girl the creative I've always loved fashion design um, from when I was a young kid I was always drawing my friends um in their Abercrombie and Limited two outfits I'm a 90s kid um and I was really studying the way that things went together when I was doing that and what I liked and what I didn't like and um, what was trending and why, and I was just always fascinated by by it. And um, even when I was fifteen, my dad helped me build my first business plan, um, which was a, a clothing boutique slash bakery. And um, and I and I was always taking fashion classes um, in high school. We, they were offered. We were really lucky for that. And. Um, And I finally just, I took my first uh, serious steps towards my fashion career uh, when I moved to San Francisco and started as a fashion design major at Academy of Art University. So in fashion school, I learned about my love for media mixing, so creating something new by combining uncommon materials, and it really became my signature there. Um, It helped me get my foot in the door at brands like BCBG, St. John Knits, and Target. And when I was first approached about the idea of designing and making 3D printed shoes, even though I have never designed or made a shoe in my life, uh, it really clicked for me (laughs) because of that. Um, That was something I was good at, combining uncommon materials and making them beautiful together. And um, it's kind of funny looking back on it now. Um, that's really what informs the aesthetic identity of Hilos, the high tech of 3D printing and the low tech of handcraft coming together to make a beautiful shoe.
0: Mm. And so the, the circular element of the, of the company, um, you've obviously had a passion for, for fashion and, and design from an early age. Is the is the sustainability angle a, a passion or is that a just looking out at the world and thinking there's an there's an obvious need for that to be um, incorporated into your work? Definitely.
1: The being in the fashion industry allowed me to see all of its flaws before starting Hilos and I was Coming up already with some creative solutions on my own before I started Hilos, like upcycling jackets or using my fabric straps from fashion school to start a little Etsy shop on on a, uh, selling pillows. And um, and so it was. It's always kind of been on the forefront of my mind. But when starting Hilos, it really was inspired by three D printing and. The technology itself allows for circularity on a level that traditional manufacturing doesn't, because you're able to use a single material and you're also able to create assembly mechanisms that you can disassemble and help recycle each of the component parts.
0: I want to come on to the um the 3D printing elements in a little while, but if we can if we can look at the, you know, the, the need for sustainability in, in this um, in this industry. So the idea of lows is essentially providing a more sustainable environmentally friendly way of manufacturing footwear. So could you explain to me what the drawbacks are of the standard design and manufacturing processes in that industry?
1: Yeah, no, I I love that you asked that question because I always say that you have to understand how traditional shoes are made in order to understand why high lows even exists. Um, And, you know, there is a beauty to traditional handcraft that we really respect, but the manufacturing of mass-produced footwear has an extremely dark side. Compromises on quality and ethics are made in order to produce quicker, cheaper, and more And factories have high minimum quantity orders that brands have to predict six to 12 months in advance how many sizes and colors they're going to sell of each style um, in order to allow time for the factories to make those things and ship them overseas. So this process ends in overproduction of some of the styles. Uh, So those get thrown away or incinerated. um, And then it also ends up in selling out of other styles and the brands are then missing out on an unquantifiable number of potential sales so it it really is a massive problem in our industry 24 billion shoes are made every year and one out of five are sent straight to the landfill. Um, so we need to learn how to sell more because brands are not going to stop trying to grow um, while making less and we really believe that 3D printing is the technology that's going to get us there it allows us to print parts on demand only after a customer orders. And we're able to customize our tooling for rapid assembly methods that we can actually localize and deliver made-to-order products directly to customers within 7 to 10, 10 days of their order.
0: That's pretty good. And that's when you think 7 to 10 days and you think the traditional process, it you know can easily take 3 to 5 days. So it's not that much of a difference when you're, you know, bringing the manufacturing, reshoring the manufacturing, essentially knowing the, the quality of the environments that the people who make the shoes are working in. And as you say, printing on demand, that's, (laughs) there's not too much of a sacrifice there in terms of the turnaround time.
1: A lot of what we do is really trying to meet the customer where they're at. There's so much nuance to 3D printing and so much to learn that we're We want to meet them halfway so they can truly understand. And, you know, sustainability is not only about environmentally friendly and practices. It's about actually being able to sustain yourself, your habits. So we don't want this purchase for a customer to be a one-off purchase that they potentially waited a few months for, for most customized product. We want this to become a habit. We want this to be a part of their lives, something that they can be proud of.
0: And you mentioned that um, you know it's kind of been 3D printing from the start so can you tell me why it was always it's always been 3D printing and, and why 3D printing has allowed um or facilitated the, you know high lows as a as a brand to exist.
1: Yeah yeah as i mentioned before 3D printing kind of inspired the business to start. Um my co-founder Elias who had the initial idea to make 3D printed custom footwear, which was our, our original intention. Um, he watched his wife order five shoes at a time, sometimes returning all of them, sometimes you know, returning four out of five and um, saw a major problem in this that he felt like 3D printing can solve after going to um, New York Fashion Tech Week and being first introduced to the technology. so. We really saw an opportunity and we saw a hole in the market that needed to be
0: filled and the the, the hilos solution as it as it is today it harnesses 3D printing as we've talked about but computational design as well so can you can you tell me the what the combination of those two um, pieces of technology enables um, hilos as a brand to do in terms of the um, the design and the development of these products? So it's
1: really important to us that we take advantage of how 3D printing can be used differently than injection molding or other traditional manufacturing processes. So rather than using it to uh, to replace the the traditional way of making, um, we like to always say think additive. It's something that we've said from the very beginning and it's something that really allows us to, you know, if we're kind of questioning a pathway, um or a process that we're putting in place we try to go back to that to that motto and say are we thinking additive is this something that others can do or is this something unique to 3d printing because ultimately what what is our purpose right we're, we we want to bring something new to the industry the industry does not need more traditional shoes and so um we use 3D printing as a tool to invent new methods of make um, to allow for on-demand manufacturing and um, to avoid over and under producing by only making after the customer orders. And then computational design actually helps solve a different problem, uh, which is slow development turnaround. So designers are typically left waiting for prototypes from factories for about four to six weeks depending on where that factory is and you know how quick they can be, how many other projects they have going on. And this is really just the slow nature of mold making and shipping overseas, um, since most, most shoe factories are based in Asia. So using computational design and 3D printing within a set of design parameters can take you from sketch to physical sample in just 48 hours which is real. <laughs> we, we do that all the time. And it's so, every time it happens, it's so crazy to me. And it's so fun to see when we bring on new designers to the team, their amazement in it too. It, it happened just the other week and it's kind of top of mind for me. And it's so, what, such an incredible tool. Um, and then the, the other exciting element of this is that you can then go from prototype to market in about three months. And of course we have very you know, similar development processes to traditional where you have to go through the prototyping phase and you do have to make corrections and, and there's a process there and we go into grading of the sizes and wear testing and all of that. Um, but because we can churn out samples so quickly, it really only takes us about three months to do within that set of design parameters that we create for ourselves. Um, And just to kind of put it into comparison, um, most brands are starting that design cycle 18 months in advance of it coming to market. So that's going from 18 months to three months is a really big deal for this industry. It allows designers to design closer to market, um, hit on trends that are happening now rather than forecasting 18 months out. And it also allows brands to try new things without a lot of risk. Um, since they're not investing tens of thousands of dollars in molds and tooling up front.
0: I was just thinking as you were talking that about in terms of different sizes, obviously, you I don't think you're making them like custom fit to the person's foot, but you're going with the traditional, um, I don't know what the, the difference is between a size seven and an eight and a nine. But talk me through the, the manufacture of different sizes, what changes in the Design of the of the footwear at Huntington. Uh,
1: there are considerations, and actually, this is something that computational design helps with. There's algorithms that our last makers um, put in place to help us kind of assess the um, the different parts of the shoe that are going to change. For example, in a high heel, your heel uh, shape. You know that if it's a block heel, let's say that uh, cube is not necessarily going to change from a size six to a size seven but your uh, and your height is not going to change but the width will change slightly the length will change slightly and with the way that we make footwear there's a lot of little nuances on the inside architecture of the shoe that help with assembly that we also kind of need to be mindful of when putting these algorithm, uh, algorithms in so it it is quite complex.
2: 200 exhibitors, 4 stages, 100 speakers and 1000 years of combined experience. TCT360 is firmly established as the UK's definitive 3D printing and additive manufacturing event and registration is now open. Between the 7th and 8th of June this year, TCT360 will bring together market leading technology suppliers and services as well as the largest free additive manufacturing conference on the planet. TCT360 is a free must-attend event for anyone looking to evaluate, adopt or optimise 3D printing technology within their business. Join us on the seventh and eighth of June at the NEC in Birmingham. To register, go to wwwtct 360com
0: So can you um talk me through the I guess the current product range that Hilos that has today?
1: Yes. So we started with the category we felt needed the most innovation, which is the high heel, of course. And as a designer with 3D printing as my method of make, it was really easy to get carried away in design um, and create something really unique. But I felt it was really important, again, to meet the customers where they're at, um, bring them something familiar enough that they can envision themselves wearing, while also unique enough that gives them a reason to buy it and brag about it. So Georgia was born, which is a three inch block heel 3D printed mule that we've hydro dipped to look like wood. Um, It really is a 3D printed all in one component. So the heel outsole, midsole and insole are all 3D printed in one piece and one material. And then we've kind of masked it um, in a post process that we use called hydro dipping which looks like wood, and we've assembled it with vegetable tan leather um, as the upper. And um, we launched this shoe in May of 2021. um, And we had really incredible feedback from our customers saying that it was the most comfortable heel they've ever worn. And we even had one let us know that she walked 13 miles on cobblestones in Paris, <laughs> um, had no complaints, which was awesome. Um, and that's really because of the lattice geometry that acts as the cushion. Um, it has incredible rebound and the sole itself is really flexible. So it moves with your foot. And so these these were kind of the two major major things that were very different than your traditional heel that customers really felt that difference. Um, so from there, we expanded into a closed-toe mule, a clog, flat sandals, and now we're working on something that I'm really excited about, which is a boot
0: and a sneaker. So you mentioned something before about coming into the the footwear industry and you, you have to bring something different obviously um like the the market you're entering is ridiculously competitive and it's a it's a market where most people i would i would suggest have their like favored brands of footwear that they go to that they that they trust so how much of a challenge is it albeit that you're doing things in a different way and there are there are you know social benefits to that how much of a challenge is it to as a startup kind of enter that, enter that market and, and penetrate that and get through to people that your, your products are are still cool and they're still fashionable. Plus I've got this social value. It's an
1: interesting challenge I'll say. Um, But yes, very challenging to really make a splash out there and very expensive Um, with the current tools out there for advertising, which is Facebook, essentially um, it, it's tough. Um, and we've actually found that we are able to make a bigger impact and actually cut through the noise quite a bit more when uh, we target brands rather than co- consumers. And we've uh we've been able to actually talk to some um some household name brands that have been extremely interested in our technology and kind of using it within their own footwear lines so much so that we're currently in development with them which i of course can't name names right now but it's something that we're really excited about and um and and something that we're starting to focus the business on a lot more um but i will also just add um we we're not moving away from bringing our own products to market i find i feel it Really important to continue to show the world what 3D printing can do. And I think that Hilos is uniquely positioned to create those designs and put those out into the world as kind of an authenticator of 3D printing. So we're going to be continuing to do that, but it's going to probably look a little bit
0: different than your typical D2C brand. Mm. You you mentioned um, the the some of the design elements and the, the design benefits, um, within the, the Georgia product. Um, can you elaborate on the benefits that, um, 3d printing is, is bringing to Hylos and, and your, yourself as, you know, as kind of the, the leading, um, creative in, in the company, in terms of design, what are the, what are the advantages that, that you guys are, uh, are able to, to bring to, to footwear?
1: so aside from the performance elements which we have comfort and flexibility it is a whole new world for designers Um, there's so many different textures that you can do different heel shapes um, different geometries that can allow for more sustainable uh, assemblies methods of make um, and allow for really unique product to be made Um, you can personalize uh, certain elements you can um launch really limited drops without having that kind of overhanging cost of molds and tooling so it it does open up new doors and and that's part of the challenge right is is explaining those things in the right ways um there there's a lot there's a lot that comes with 3d printing um Aside from the design elements, there's, you know, of course, the the circularity, there's the on demand. There's the just the cool factor of 3D printing, right? There's there's so many different kind of um, value props that it adds to product that we've actually even found that sometimes we have to tone it down to a certain degree because it's almost too much of a story to tell. So you kind of want to curate it in a way to what each brand kind of values the most, you know, we will have some brand partners that value on demand the most and really want to tell that story in their own words. And then we have other brands that value customization the most. So it's a, it's, it's a challenge, but I think it's a good one.
0: Mm. When you have these shorter development cycles and you have an on-demand manufacturing operation, does it does it afford you much more flexibility in terms of especially as a young company launching products testing the waters seeing if the market and and the consumers are, are buying into them as as ideas or as designs that you don't have like if you were doing that traditionally you would manufacture them store them in a warehouse take them to market if people didn't like that product they wouldn't sell and you've burnt through an awful lot of time and an awful lot of money does it almost take the pressure off that and allow you to, to try different things because there isn't as much risk involved as you launch a product to market.
1: It totally does. Um, and I think it will the more we develop into it. Right now, there's still, because it's so new, there's still a lot of development and investment going into those initial products, right? We're still building our library of those, um, those design parameters that i mentioned earlier. It's so it takes time to develop new methods of make and um, and to, you know, build out uh, potentially a new new shape, new heel height, um, those kinds of things. And so within the design parameters, it can be very quick and very low risk. Um, and so when we do what we call an advanced concept, it, it does take more investment. And I think, you know, once we put more advanced concepts out there, once we build that library, it's going to start to become a lot more low risk and high reward in, in a lot of cases when, um, when we're able to do that.
0: One thing I wanted to ask was, um, about materials. So we hear a lot, no matter what the the industry is that we're covering, that the the Number of available materials for three D printing technology can often be a bit of a barrier. There's, you know, when you compare it to traditional, it doesn't really stand up to the numbers that are kind of available. Um, how how limiting is that at the moment for a company like Hylos? Are you are you finding that's a a challenge, or or does the materials available suit the the kind of um, products that you're developing?
1: I think it's really only as limiting as you make it you can box yourself into one type of 3d printing and completely limit yourself to those manufacturers and the materials that it's compatible with or you can decide to be exploratory and trial all kinds of printers to get what you need i think that a lot of it is out there Um, i wouldn't say all of it but i think ultimately what's important is knowing your goal and finding the solution that's closest to it, because everybody's gonna have kind of a different goal that they're trying to hit. So for us, that was finding a recyclable material that's flexible enough to create a unique foam alternative for cushioning and durable enough to withstand years of wear. So that actually locked us in to a very specific printer and material at the onset. And we do compromise a bit on the finishing because of that, but it does allow us to pr- prioritize what's important to us.
0: Because I think I'm right in saying you're, you're using um, HP's Jet Fusion printing technology, I think materials from, from the likes of BASF. So can you can you take me through a typical um, workflow for a, a, a product once it's kind of past the design stage and into manufacture from the printing through to the, the post-processing steps? So we currently use a
1: kanban system where we essentially hold low stock of all the components in house and assemble as we get the order. Okay. So we do have a bell curve of the sizes that typically get ordered, and we have shallow stock of the platforms that we print ahead of time, and um, and we have upper kits, we like to call it. So the uppers are um, are cut and sewn already, so that we can deliver rapidly. On a larger scale, once we grow, that will ultimately become that kind of more typical on-demand process where a customer orders, it gets sent to the printer, and that part gets printed while the maker is cutting the leather, sewing it, and then once the part is ready to, once it has its finishes and everything, and it's ready to become one with the upper, it gets assembled and shipped to the customer.
0: So is it is it a case of the the printing technology at the moment is outsourced? It's currently
1: outsourced. Yes, uh, we do. We have a printer in house that we prototype with, but we have printing partners in um, both America and Europe that fulfill our um, production orders for us.
0: Okay, cool. And you mentioned the recyclability of the of the products there. Can you talk me through a um, what the kind of the model is in terms of recycling? Is it? A, so a case of you just trust the end user to, to do the right thing with their footwear or or you, uh, is there a channel for them to, to send it back to you and then you can take care of that process? The latter. So
1: they and, and there is some trust involved, right? We have to trust them to send it back to us, of course, um, which is definitely a part of the challenge. I'm not going to lie about that but our current process is that we'll ask our customers to ship it back to us, which will then divert it to our disassembling partners. Once they're disassembled um, from the, the leather and the TPU and all of the kind of component parts to it, will um, our disassembly partners will ship those to our recycling partners and those components get recycled. So that's the TPU leather and the hardware is also recycled. Um, it can actually be reused in future shoes, and so we're left with about five to ten percent of the shoe that's being wasted.
0: And I, I imagine the the comparison to that is pretty much one hundred percent of the shoe would get wasted usually. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> about five percent of shoes are recycled today. Okay, right. Okay. One thing I wanted to ask was in terms of the entire supply chain um, that goes into making um Hilo's products what what steps are you taking there to ensure that the you know the whole process is as environmentally friendly as possible I, I don't imagine all of that is in your control but what are you doing that is in your control
1: perfect is the enemy of good I like to say because there is no perfect solution mm-hmm. so you have to go into it knowing that you also have to go into it knowing your your vision what what are your parameters in what you're trying to build? Right. Is it circularity? Is it on demand? Is it both? Um, what's what's important to you? And then go go at it in that way. Right. So I think um and, and try to stick with it as much as possible. Um, if that if that means building a different supply chain, which is what we had to do, then so be it, because just because everybody's doing it one way doesn't mean that it's right. So we, we really set out to build a completely different supply chain than what's out there because we had to. And so doing that and having those parameters in place allowed us to first of all be, be limited, right? There was only so many, so many options out there for us. and, um, and we had to compromise where uh, in, in some areas where it maybe didn't meet, but that was really the only option. And we have to just be okay with that until there's um, there's a better option out there. And then in other cases, you kind of have to make it for yourself, you know what I mean. So we started um, in our own production facility, and we we built that um, that system for ourselves. And then we bring it to other manufacturing partners that are willing to do the same, which is hard to find as well.
0: So what uh, what impact would you say that your your products are, are having today in? You know, in the world of, of footwear and, and beyond that, fashion.
1: So Yale did a case study on our footwear about a year ago, and we found that about ninety nine percent of water is reduced in our process, and forty eight percent of carbon emissions is also reduced in our process, which I think is something that we're really proud of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They're um they're great savings. So um, in terms of And and this will be my my last question, Gaia. Um, In terms of moving forward for the company, how do you see the brand growing and how do you expect um, your your products to evolve? We touched on this a
1: little bit earlier, but um, we're launching some exciting brand partnerships that infuse our technology into their designs. Um, And we're excited to see the brand grow in that direction. It's gonna help us make a bigger impact and continue validating 3D printing as the future of footwear.
2: Tickets are now on sale for the 2023 TCT Awards. On June the seventh, the 3D printing and additive manufacturing community will come together to celebrate the latest technology innovations and application developments at the fifth annual TCT Awards ceremony. The world's preeminent 3D printing and additive manufacturing awards program, TCT Awards, is held alongside TCT 360 in Birmingham, in the UK. To book your tickets visit www.tctawards.com.